Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Man, it's good to be with you. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, this, this weekend than we've ever done before on, on Easter weekend. And so typically uh, we'll do Easter experiences and I just preach one message and I just felt like the Lord was like, this is an amazing opportunity uh, to fit more into one week, because it's hard to fit the whole Easter story into a 55-minute, I mean, I was going to say a half hour, but let's be honest, a 55-minute sermon. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a lot. And so uh, when we started going through, through Easter planning, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to preach three different messages, this, 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 and we're going to follow the story of Jesus, because it's a three-day three day story. And as I was preparing for, for this weekend, um, I just felt like the Lord was like, just, just tell the story. Don't, don't, don't get cute with it. Don't try to have points that, 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 that rhyme or start with the same letter or try to get over the top with it. Just, just, get, just get down to the basics. Like just, just tell the story. Just focus on, on, on the main thing. And so that, that's all I want to do. And when I was preparing, uh, I was actually reading a book on crucifixion uh, this, this last, last, last month in preparation for, for tonight, Good Friday. And uh, the book was a book of, on crucifixion outside of the Bible. And so the author's point was to understand the significance and the scope of crucifixion, you need to go outside of Scripture because really in Scripture you just get a, a small portion of it. If you really want to understand how horrific and how torturous it was, read from a Roman perspective. Understand what it was like his, historically. And in the book it took me to a, a passage in Scripture that doesn't feel like Easter, but it actually is an Easter. It's really all about Easter. And so it's actually 60 days roughly after Easter weekend. And so I was having a, a talk with my kids this weekend and they were like, how long ago did Jesus die on the cross? And I was like, you know, a little over 2000 years ago. And they were like, that wasn't that long ago. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. And they're like, well, how do you, how do you, you know, when, when was it? I'm like, well, it was, you know, it was 2,023 years ago. Uh, and, and, you know, how do you figure that out? I'm like, well, the AD after the death of after Christ. So I get to understand for AD, I'm like, it did at some point. And so it got canceled, but AD was after the death of Christ. And so, like, it's a, it, they were, we started talking about the details of it. And, like, God was, you know, there's sometimes you just want to give the details to, to, your, to your kids. And so, and I was just talking about the details of the crucifixion and of what happened to Jesus. And they just kind of leaned in. And I, I, I was like, man, this is, it actually was touch, touch, touching me. The more that I started thinking about it, the more that I, I just got, I get emotional. When I sing that song, Jesus paid it all. And I think about what actually Jesus did on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. Uh, it, it, it literally begins to bring, bring tears to my eyes. So I just, I just want to tell you from experience, not education. Nobody wants, nobody wants education. I'm not trying to educate you this year. I want to tell you from experience, and I, that's the whole point of this, this message that I want to share, this passage in Scripture. It's 60 days after Jesus uh, went to the cross, went to the tomb, and resurrected. So I want you to place yourself there with me. 60 days after this, Jesus went to Jerusalem. He carried his cross to Golgotha. He died. They placed him in a tomb. They tried to seal it up. They tried to end it. They tried to, you know, get, get rid of him. He came back in the same city that he supposedly resurrects. They can't find his body. They don't know where he went. The, the religious leaders are freaking out. All the disciples and the apostles who scattered are now, now gathered in Jerusalem because Jesus told them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the same power that was inside of me that conquered the grave, which by the way, uh, if you want part number two to this, this ser little sermon series, we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit in, in a few weeks here. And I want to show you what happens. The Bible says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So a 120 disciples, apostles, they gathered in this upper room. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. They, they, they were speaking in all different languages. They go out into the streets. The streets are filled with the same people that crucified Jesus. 
The same religious leaders that tried to get rid of Jesus, all of a sudden, 120 people, they emerged from this upper room and they begin to preach. That's where we pick up this story. What's so interesting is this first message is preached by Peter. I don't have time to talk to you about what happened to him that weekend, but he totally dropped the ball. <laughs> totally. He, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows? And what did Peter say? Absolutely not. In fact, I'll cut off a dude's ear when he comes to get you. He's Peter, right? And then three times, he, he denies Jesus, and then he runs and he hides in shame, and Jesus resurrects, and he goes to the tomb, and he sees that he's resurrected, and he's like, oh no, he's back, right? And he's going to know what I did. And so he just goes back to his old way of life, and Jesus comes and finds him. And Jesus says, I told you I was going to build my church with you, with screw-ups and failures and normal people and fishermen. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the upper room, and I need you to wait because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you up, and you guys are going to go share this message. And that's where we pick up this story. They emerge from this room. Watch what it says in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says, Peter stands up with the 11, raises his voice, and addresses the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Let me explain this to you, he says. Listen carefully to what I say. These people, I love this part, are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Bible. <laughs> I love this part because some of you sitting by somebody, you're like, what are you doing, bro? What was in that lemonade Albies was selling, right? Like, why are you... Singing like you're singing. What's, what's going on? What's the, what's the bend? What's the agenda? Some of you are like, hey, I got invited to Good Friday service. What's the bend here? What do you want from me? What, what gave me that bracelet. What does that mean? What are you trying to get me to sign up for? The bracelet means absolutely nothing. We lied to you. We said it was a free bull ride. That was actually free. And so, but it's Good Friday, and Jesus paid it all. I need you to explain something to you. Us, these 11, these, these other 100 and, you know, nine or whatever's left, these 120 people, we're not drunk. Something changed 60 days ago in our lives. Something shifted. We, we need to tell you about it, he says. He, he goes on to say in verse number 20, he says, and everyone, I don't have time to read the whole thing. He says, he begins to preach. He said, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. He says, you saw it. You, you, you witnessed it. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of the wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. You guys remember this. It was only 60 days ago in this exact city. In this exact area, we were all here. You put them on a cross. You, you sacrifice them. But the Bible says, but God raised them from the dead. Free, I like this part. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It's impossible for death. God has raised this Jesus to life. And I love this part. We're all witnesses of it. All of us. He says, look around. All these weird people talking in tongues you think are drunk. The Holy Spirit has filled them up. They're all witnesses. I started thinking about that. Who else was there? Who else was there? Who else was with them? Who else was preaching? Who else was speaking in tongues? We know the apostles were there. And I started to imagine. And sometimes the Bible, uh, it, it, it is, uh, it's, it's not all black and white in the, in the details. Some things are left out. Some things we will only figure out on the other side of eternity. But if it was my story, if it was me playing out the part, looking through the details. There's certain people in this group of 120 that all saw Jesus do different things on, on, on different days. There's some that witnessed Jesus on, on Friday, that they had interactions with Jesus on Friday. There's others that interacted with Jesus on, 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 on Saturday. Uh, they, they were wondering about Jesus. There's some that saw and interacted with him on, 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 on Sunday. And so what I want to do is I want to pick up the story right here, thinking about who else was there. Who else was in that 120 people that says, hey, we're just witnesses? That's all I would say to you tonight. I'm just a witness. I I've just seen Jesus do it. I don't got an agenda for you. I'm not trying to convince you to join a religion. I've just seen Jesus transform my life for what, from what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. 
I've witnessed it. Other people around you say, I got no agenda for you. I've just seen Jesus move in my life. He's changed me. And I just want you to know about that as well. And so I just started imagining there was a man there that, that nobody really knows what happened to this man after his interaction with Jesus. But I just have to imagine that what happened to him would, uh, would make him want to be around Christians and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ going into all, all the world. I want to introduce you to a man. I want to have a conversation with a man named Barabbas. Barabbas. Nobody knows what happened to Barabbas. We do know what his interaction was though. And I want to set this up for you. I want to go back 60 days. Jesus has been arrested and uh, he's been tried and he's been found guiltless. Guiltless. They didn't know what to do with them. So they send him to Pilate, the religious leaders. And they say, this man is calling himself the Messiah, the king of the Jews. And the Jews, you know, only have one king. His name's Caesar. This man's a troublemaker. We need to get rid of him. We, we need to disperse of him. We, we, we need you to do something about him. The Bible says in the book of, of, uh, of, of Matthew 27, it says, uh, that we meet a man named Pilate. This is where you meet Barabbas. And the Bible says that it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. So Jesus goes to jail. Pilate can't figure out anything wrong with him. He remembers every Passover year that it's customary to appease the Jewish people that were living in their, their city to release a prisoner to them. And so I can't find Jesus guilty, of course they're going to pick him. He also remembers just a few, few days earlier, Jesus walked into Jerusalem. You remember Palm Sunday and the people freaked out, like in sync with girls 20 years ago. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> freaked out. Like they, they got palm branches. They shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Like the, these people absolutely love Jesus. Seven days have passed. Roughly six days, whatever it was, five days, mathematicians, I don't know. And uh, all of a sudden, they, they hate him. Surely they won't, they won't keep Jesus in here. So he stands up before the crowd. And the Bible says at the time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Jesus was a common name at that time. Jesus Barabbas. And this guy in prison, he was a well-known prisoner. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one, do you want me to release to you? I want you to picture this. He brings these two men out before the crowd. They're going to crucify people this day. He says, I'm going to release one of these men to you. Jesus, the Messiah, or Jesus Barabbas? Jesus Christ, the one you threw palm branches at, the one who fed 5,000 of you at some point, the one who's healed your daughters and put sight in the blind eyes of some of you here, that Jesus or, or this guy, Barabbas, which one do you want? It just seems normal to say we want, we want Jesus Christ. He, he, he feeds us. He heals us. He, he, he teaches us. Barabbas, what, what did he do? Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, which one of you do want me to release you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest they had handed Jesus over to him. It wasn't because Jesus was guilty. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. By the way, if your wife tells you anything, listen. Don't have any, something's never, in the Bible, some stuff never changes, right? Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. I had this intuition, Pilate, maybe you don't see it. Jesus is innocent. We probably should release him. Don't have anything to do with it. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Pilate says, which of these two do you want me to release to you? What do you think they said? Barabbas. 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 What should I do with Jesus? At this point, he's already been flogged. He's never physically going to look the same again. He's barely living at this point. He's on the brink of death. Let's just release them and let them limp away. What should we do with Jesus? Should I whip them again? The same crowd that worshipped him a few days earlier, what did they say? Crucify him. 
Crucify him. I want to put my shoe, myself in Barabbas' seat standing there for a second. I want to, I want to see myself because I, I truly think this moment changed him. Like nobody knows. Some people think he just, this happened, he just walked away and the Bible says that he was a murderer and insurrectionist and he was went back to that. Some people say he went to the cross and mocked Jesus. But I just have to imagine in this moment that something shifted in his heart. In my death story of the Bible, and nobody knows that something happens where he's, he's at the, 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 the day of Pentecost with the 120 people, along with all the other screw-ups and all the other ones that Jesus had changed their life based on that weekend. And, and, and he's speaking in tongues to people, and they're listening, and they're like, hey, wait, wait a second. Aren't you Barabbas? We shouldn't be talking to Barabbas. That dude's a bad dude. That's Barabbas. Some of you think that, by the way, about people that come to church. They shouldn't be at church because, man, they're, they're, they're that person. They've been through that. They've, they've done that. It doesn't make any sense that they're there. Why are they such a holy roller now, right? Why are they doing this? They're not any better than me. And we would say, we're absolutely not. Barabbas would probably have the exact same message as he's sharing the gospel. Somebody leans in and says, what are you doing here? Let, let me explain this to you. 60 days ago, maybe you weren't in Jerusalem, I don't know if you were under a rock, me and Jesus stood before a crowd. Pilate asked which one of us should be let go and which one should be crucified. For some reason, the crowd in that moment said to crucify Jesus and let me go. And I need to explain something to you. I need you to understand something. I started thinking about what Barabbas would say because it's what I would say to people as well. Is here's what I think Barabbas would say to somebody listening to the message of Jesus that, that day. He would say, first of all, he would say, I need you to understand something. I was 100% guilty in that moment. You ever meet somebody who gets caught doing something and they never really did it? You ever have kids? <laughs> no matter if they're dead caught. Like, I didn't do it. We had a big blow up in my house the other day over a bag of M&M's. We bought M&M's the other, the other night. My son, one of my sons said, hey, can we go to the store and can we make milkshakes? And, you know, we, we obliged him. And so Leah, my wife, took him to the store and got, got milkshake stuff. And we, they were going to have popcorn. And, hey, it'd be really nice to get a big bag of, of M&M's. And we'll make popcorn with, with, with a milkshake. And it'll be so fun. And, and I was sleeping by the time they got home. So I don't know how fun that it was. But there was, this, there was this debate in the house. And the debate in the house was, let's get the family size M&M's so we can do this again. So we can have fun again. But do not eat these M&M's unless we're watching a movie, having popcorn and milkshakes. These are specified M&M's for that time. The other day I walked over to our cabinet where all of our food is at and there was M&M's all over the floor. And I'm like, what are these M&M's from? We go into the thing. My wife comes marching over. She opens it up. She's like, where's the M&M's? I'm like, I don't know. I promise. <laughs> Somebody ate the M&M's. All the M&M's. They're all gone. The evidence is all over the floor. We're three days into the Eminem argument, and not one of my children has admitted that they're guilty. <laughs> you see, in religion, you'll say stuff like, no, nah, I'm not that bad. I wasn't that bad. I, I, like, I'm here. Me and Jesus are cool. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, I might have done a couple bad things, but I'm not as bad as Hitler, right? Like, I'm not... I'm not as bad as that guy. Like that, I'm bad, but I'm not like that bad. And like, no, Barab why I love Barabbas is he would have looked at somebody, he would say, Yeah, I'm bad. Yeah, I killed somebody. Some of you are scared of, of certain things. Like that's that's a scare. If you're sitting by somebody right now and they're like, I did too, right? <laughs> hey. You, you'd be like, I need two communion, right? Let me get it out of here. You just and he, I did kill somebody. I, I killed somebody. I, I, I took somebody's life. I started a, I started a riot. I, I tried to destroy the Romans. I couldn't stand the Romans. I was 100% guilty. Like, I, 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 messed, I messed up my life. You see, oftentimes when it comes to people, we think that we're better than we are because we compare ourselves to people who are worse than we are. But the thing that I love about the Bible is the Bible just puts us all on the same playing field. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter if you murdered somebody, gossiped about somebody, uh, uh, stole from somebody, lied. Every, 
everybody in this room lies and gossips, exaggerated. It doesn't matter if you hate somebody, if you're bitter at somebody. It doesn't matter if you've lusted. It doesn't matter what you've done. We're all on the same playing field. We are all guilty, the Bible says. Everyone in this room. There's not good and bad people would do it. Like, I'm, I'm with the good people. Like, you know, what color do you vote? Okay, cool. And, uh, the Bible is really clear. Every one of us is screwed up. Watch what it says in Scripture. I love this verse in Romans 3. It says, uh, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There was no one who understands. There was no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There was no one who does good, not even one. Not even one, it says. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. Poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. That's not on any bumper sticker I've ever seen. All of us suck. That's what the Bible says. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us fail in our lives. Barabbas, his story is so important. He would say, I was guilty. Here's the second thing he would say. And I did deserve death. I, I, I deserve death. I want you to think about Barabbas. He was in a, a Roman prison in Jerusalem. And uh, he could hear the, the crowd swelling. Uh, because it was Passover time, and so people were pilgriming all from different lands, and the population of Jerusalem is swelling, and he knows he's, he's going to die. Like, he, he knows that. In fact, uh, one of the things they would have done to get you prepared, I studied this this week, to get you prepared for a crucifixion, that's how he was going to die, is he would have spent a, few, a, a day or a few days getting his own cross prepared for death. That was how they began to torture you. That was hand, they, they began to play mind games with you before they ever put you towards physical pain. In fact, the, the, the word excruciating comes from crucifixion. It's not just excruciating men, men, uh, physically, it's also a mental thing. And so Barabbas is in prison, it's swelling, he, he knows, he's seen people get crucified, he's watched the torture of it, he knows he's guilty, he knows he's going towards death. In fact, he knows he deserves it, he murdered somebody, he started a riot, he knows this is the payment. He, he took that gamble when he tried to overtake the government, and here he is, he's fashioning his cross, he's trying to smooth it out because he knows he's going to be beaten before he goes there, and his flesh is going to be on that cross, and he doesn't want it to hurt more than it needs to hurt, and so he's smooth it out, and in my head, I just imagine a big Roman soldier poking him in the back and saying, That's smooth enough. That's smooth enough. It's getting closer to the weekend. He's praying, Get me through another weekend, God. I know I, I, know I deserve death, but they don't crucify people on the Sabbath. Thursday's here, God, get me through the weekend. Friday's here, I hear this commotion going on. And uh, I hear these crowds starting to chant, and I don't know what they're saying, and I can just feel him getting close to the window of his cell and listening. What are they saying? Is it my time? Are they going to crucify me on Friday? I have to be dead by, by Saturday. Like, I have to be out of here. Are they going to do this, or am I going to make it to Monday? And, am I and then all of a sudden, they bring him out, and he thinks, this is it. This is it. I deserve death. He knows he's going to go. They're going to give him his cross. He's going to carry it with the other two thieves that are going to Golgotha. He deserves death. And then he would have said this. He would have said, but, 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 this is really important. But, does that sound like a country song? But, right? It, it describes every country song to me, right? And so I, I got, watch this. Substituted. I, I was guilty. I deserved death. But Jesus took my place. I walked out and I saw Jesus. I remember Jesus. I heard of Jesus. I heard of the things that he done. I made eye contact with Jesus. I saw Jesus' face. I saw his wounded body. 
Because he had been whipped. I don't know if you've ever studied what that was like with the cat of tails, the Roman whip. His flesh would have been hanging from his body. He would have been whipped all over his body, head to shoulders. There was a good chance you would have been able to see his lungs or his, his bones at this point. He is shredded. He has a crown of thorns on his head. They've twisted it. They've mocked him. They've ridiculed him. And now he's standing before this crowd. And he knows he deserves death. He looks at Jesus, and he begins to hear Pilate say, who should we crucify? And, and, and the crowd says, crucify Jesus, set Barabbas free. I started thinking about that, because if a, if a, if a criminal many times was forced to put their, do their cross because they were in prison, Jesus was technically never in prison, so he wouldn't have had time to get his cross prepared for his death. So guess whose cross that he died on that day? They brought out Barabbas. This, 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 this messed with me this week. They brought out Barabbas' cross that they had fashioned for him. And they said, you're free to go. And he watched Jesus carry his cross to the death he should have died. Maybe he, he stood there in shock. And Paul said, what are you doing? Idiot, you're free. He said, me? He said, yeah, you. but do you know what I've done? Yeah, but the people have spoken. And maybe from a distance, he followed Jesus to the cross, and he began to watch them torture Jesus, put nails through his hands and his feet. He began to listen to people mock him. He watched as they put the sign up to make fun of him. He watched as the crowd gathered and spit on him. He watched Jesus hang in shame. Jesus was dying the death that Barabbas should have died so that Barabbas could live the life that he could never have. I was guilty. Somebody stepped into my place. And because of that, because of what happened 60 days ago, because of what Jesus did for me on that cross, I'm a new person. In fact, what's interesting is Barabbas' name, if you study it in Aramaic, it means son of the father. That in that moment that Jesus was becoming the, the sacrifice for the sins of the world, but specifically in this story, for the sins of, of Barabbas, so that Barabbas could be adopted into the family of God. Barabbas is a son of the father. I wonder what you've done in your life. I wonder who you are. I wonder where you've been. I wonder what you bring into this place. I wonder if you understand what's significant about the story of Barabbas is Barabbas is you and me. That me and you, we are the Barabbas in this story. In fact, I wonder if you, you see yourself. I wonder if you understand. I love what it says in 1 John 4. It says that God... God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, it says. I love this part. Not that we love God. You ever hear that? Like, I love God. That's great, man. Real love is not that you love God. Nobody is impressed that you love God. That's great, man. I love the eagles. That's great for you. I love God. That's amazing. Here's what the Bible says. It's not that you love God. Real love is that he loved us and sent his son to sacrifice, to take away our sins. In fact, the gospel is the news about what God has already done for you. We focus a lot on what we need to do for God. But the gospel is about what God has done for you. So we're going to take a, a moment in this place. We're going to go into a time of, of communion together. And uh, we, we don't do this a lot in our, in our houses uh, together on Sunday morning. And the reason we don't do this a lot on Sunday morning is because a lot of times on Sunday morning, uh, there's a lot of non-believers in, 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 in church. And uh, I was trying to explain this to somebody this week 
Uh, we talked about it. Why don't you do communion more uh, on Sunday mornings? And I said, doing communion on Sunday mornings where, where Christians and non-Christians are together is like having a steak dinner and invite, inviting a vegan to the party. They're either going to bring their own food or they're not going to eat at all. So I want to be really, really clear with, with you tonight. If you're not a believer, this is, this, you don't have to do this. Huh? This, is, this is our chance uh, to be in a moment where we remember what God did for us on that cross. Where, where we understand the significance of, of what he did. And so what I want to do is uh, I'm going to invite Ian to come back and, and play, please. And so, uh, and we are going to just take a moment. We're going to open the top of our, of our cup like this. It's a really holy sound. <laughs> really holy sound. And then you can just flip the, the, the other part of your cup here. And here's what I, I want to do. I want to read Luke chapter 22 to you guys. And I want, I want to lead you through communion. And so we've been kind of back and forth in, in the story. So we went 60 days ahead. Then we came 60 days back. And what I want to do is, and that's roughly 60 days, I want to go one day before that. And so it's a nighttime. It's Thursday night. Jesus is with his followers. It's been a really epic three years. They still don't get it, though. They don't get it. Jesus said many times, I'm, I'm here to lay my life down. They don't get it. So it's the last night that Jesus would be on the earth before his, his trial and his crucifixion. And uh, he sits with the disciples in the upper room. Really cool moment, by the way. Because um, he sits with 12 disciples knowing that a lot of them are going to abandon him. And one of them has already sold him out. Already, Judas is there. He's already sold him out. What's interesting is Jesus takes off his, his outer garment, the Bible says, and he wraps a towel around his waist. And the Bible says he gets down and he begins to wash their feet. I want you to think about that for a second. He, he's, he's 33 years old and uh, he has been around crucifixion his entire life. And so one of the things I studied about crucifixion is they did it in public. They didn't do it in private and try to keep it, you know, where it literally it was a public spectacle that Rome would do to show you its power. Don't mess with us or we'll put you on a cross. And so all of his life, like you think about your childhood, there's things that you, you remember about the area that you live, the people that you grew up with, right? Like I still, if I think about Boyertown, I remember driving by Seville's. I remember eating at Yingling's Diner, right? Yingling's Diner. I, I, some of you are like, you from Boyertown, you're like, that's before you. That's why I can make fun of Boyertown because that's how long I go back. And so like I remember seeing certain things about my childhood. And so Jesus, he would have spent his childhood and he would have seen crucifixion. It would have been walking along the road and seeing men screaming out in pain, just wanting to die because it was a slow pain. It was meant to torture you publicly. He would have witnessed it. And he knows tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to the cross. And it's in this moment he washes the disciples' feet. And then he has a meal. Uh, we call it the Last Supper. And he sits with his disciples, and they, they eat, and uh, he introduces us to the elements of, of communion, the Lord's Supper. And here's what he said to them in Luke 22. He says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. They still don't understand what's coming. It's for I tell you. I'm not going to eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, this, take this and divide it among you. So they took the bread and they divided it. For I tell you, I'll not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. This is the best we could do. And he gave it to them. They all got a piece of bread. You have, you have it. 
And here's where the words of Christ, he says, this is my body. This is my body. Given for you. Do this and remember what I'm about to go do for you. And Isaiah says that he was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes. Talking about being whipped, which is interesting, by the way. Because that's many, many years before Jesus would die on the cross. A prophet was saying, what, what said, someday Messiah is going to come. And he's going to take a ruthless beating to his physical body. And by his stripes, we're going to be healed. Healed physically. Healed emotionally. Healed mentally. Healed. Fully healed. Live, living fully healed. This is my body. Every time you do this, remember, don't we do this amiss, amiss justice because we spend too much time not thinking about it. Every time I watch that, that older movie, The Passion of the Christ, I just cry. I find myself looking away. I find myself even saying, enough! Don't hit him again! Don't make me come down there! Jesus did it for me. He did it for you. If you don't know him tonight, he did it for you. If you've been running, if you're lost, if you've backslidden, if you have shame in your life, if you're embarrassed of your decisions, if you're a multi-divorcee, if you've had abortions, heck, if you've murdered somebody, tell us later. Wherever you're at, Jesus gave up his body for you. He put it on the line for you. This is love, not that you love God, but that God loves you and sent his son as a sacrifice for you. So let's bow our heads all over this place and let's just thank him for this. If you know him, would you just thank him? Jesus Christ, Lord of all. The Son of God, the perfect Lamb. We want to put ourselves in that room 2,000 years ago and see you and feel you and experience you. And then we understand through your word or what you did for us. This is your body, it was beaten. And hurt for us. It's by your stripes we are healed. And so, Lord, tonight we remember that together. Whether we've, we're in this place, and for some of us, we've been doing communion for absolutely as long as we can remember. It's actually something we go do, and it just goes through the motions. Or maybe this is the very first time we've ever taken it. God, we see you. We love you. We're thankful for you, Jesus Christ. Let's take the bread together. And then Jesus, the Bible says, if you bring that passage back up, it says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new covenant. It's all about my blood, my innocent blood being poured out for you. My blood is going to wash you white as snow. My blood is going to pay the debt of your sin. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that uh, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. So you're guilty. I'm guilty. The Bible says that the, the wages of our sin is death and hell. Death and hell. Now, just so you know, the verses I'm saying are found in the book of Romans. They're also written by a murderer. It's like a current theme in scripture. He says, all of us, me, Barabbas, you, all of us fall short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
For if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he sacrificed his body and shed his blood for the atonement of your sins, that you can be forgiven past, present, and future through the sacrifice of the spotless lamb. When you take this, I want you to remember why I poured my blood out. He reminded them, nobody's taking my life from me. I'm going to lay this down for you. You ever have a debt paid off unexpectedly? I started thinking about this in my, in my life, and uh, I never told anybody this story publicly before. But uh, a few years ago, we moved into our house that we live in right now, and we moved from a, a townhouse to a neighborhood house, and uh, we bought it because we wanted to have more land for my kids to play in. So we had a little tiny yard. I'm like, well, let's get this, get this house. But how many of you know when you, when you anytime you, you, you move, you go to something bigger, it costs more money. You guys tracking with me? And it's always scary. You ever have buyer's remorse? I'm still, I'm like, we should have stayed in that townhouse, right? They don't even play in the yard, right? And so, and so we bought this house. And I remember uh, the, when we first moved in, I was budgeting our money out. And I was like, man, this is going to be tight. This is going to be tight. First couple months, we paid, we paid off, we paid our bill, we paid it on time. But I remember just thinking, this is, this is going to be, be, be tight. And so, God, if this is the house we're supposed to be in, God, you have to, you have to provide. And God, you got to take care of us. And I reminded myself of all the things that he's ever done in my life. And, you know, I reminded God of God, right? I'm like, God, you're God and you're, you're the provider and you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And, you know, I don't know what that means, but that means you have a lot. And so, and I just reminded him. And I remember in that moment, uh, this guy came to our church and I, I've never talked to him since. Uh, but he came to our church and he said, hey, I want to I take you out to lunch. And I'm like, okay. I was like, who's it on? Because I just bought this house. And, uh, and he was like, no, me and my wife want to take you. We're from Arkansas. We want to go, we'll go meet here. And so we met at Molly McGuire's. Last time I ever went to Molly McGuire's. And so, but it was free. And so went to Molly McGuire's and we went out and, and it, we didn't talk about anything. He told me he's an author and, you know, he used to be a pastor and we talked a little bit and we exchanged pleasantries and he said, we're thinking about moving up here, you know, and buying another house, like an off-season house. So we'll go to Arkansas when it's not too hot and then when it gets, or when it's cold here and then when it gets warm here, we'll move back to Pennsylvania and you know, the whole time I'm thinking, I wish I could do that too. And so, and, and so not Arkansas though, you know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> and so... And so he's telling me, and so we, we didn't talk again. He left. I'm like, well, maybe we'll see you back up here. And then a few weeks later, he called me up and he said, hey, next month, I felt the Lord tell me to, he said, I want to pay off your, your mortgage. And I'm like, what? Not your whole mortgage. That would have been awesome, but just your monthly mortgage. I remember in the season and he was like, I want to pay. I'm like, what? He was like, send me your address. I'm going to send you check. You ever talk to somebody? You're like, oh, okay, buddy. Right. And he's like, no, seriously, we do this from time to time. The Lord's blessed us. We, we want to do this for you. And I remember I was like, okay, whatever. This never happens to me. You ever been there? Like, I never win the lottery, right? And so, and sure enough, a few, few weeks later, this check arrives in the mail from somebody I barely knew. I've never talked to him again. He never came back to church. I don't know if he was an angel or not. The Bible says you can entertain angels. I was at Mom McGuire's, right? And so, and this check came into the mail for exactly what my, what, what he, he said, what is it? I sent it, he sent it. And I can't tell you when I got that check, I was, I, I did a dance. I was excited. I reminded God of how good he was, right? You know, the cattle of a thousand and like he paid off, he paid off a debt. And, and I'm just like, if you think about that and you look at your life and you understand what your, what your, what your, what your, your, your statement says in your life. And then Jesus comes in and he says, what? He says, paid in full? Paid in full? What does he say? He says, some of you still struggle with it. I want to remind you what the Bible says when you're forgiven by, by the sacrifice of Jesus. The Bible says that you're forgiven as far as the east is from the west. That's my favorite verse about forgiveness. That means if you, if, if you, if you understand geography, what that means, if you start off east, is this east? I don't know which way is east, but if you start off east and you go west on the planet and you just keep going west, eventually where do you get back to? Eventually you go, because it's, it's a circle. I, I don't know what you believe. It's a circle, right? It's <laughs> got some flat earthers in here, right? And I don't know about that, right? COVID's fake. And all, you know what I mean? And, and this Bible's trying to tell us when he forgives you, he forgives you forever. Forever. In an instance. That's the power of the name of Jesus Christ. In an instance, when you take this, you remember what his blood accomplished. 
that I'm a new person through Jesus. What did Barabbas say? I was made new. This is my, this is my blood. It's being poured out. It's the new covenant. I don't work to get to God. Jesus did all the work to get to me. I don't carry around shame. Jesus paid for my shame on that cross. I'm not a product of my past. I'm a new creation because of what Jesus did for me at that cross. I'm not tied to my family roots. No, no. I've been adopted into the family of God through what Jesus did for me on that cross. I'm a son of the Father. Some of you are a son or a daughter of the Father, right? We, we, we are adopted into the family of God through what Jesus did for us on that cross. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your, your cross. I thank you for your blood that was poured out for me. I thank you, Jesus, for what that represents. It's a new covenant. We're no longer under the law. The law was given to us to show us our, our, our sin, to reveal to us our brokenness. But Jesus, we're not in a religious system where we're working to get to you and we're, we're trying so hard. You did all the work to come to us. So Jesus, when we drink this cup, we remember your blood. It's your blood that washes away sin. It's your blood that paid the price of my, of my debt. I'm free. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take, let's take the, juice, the juice. Now, would you stand to your feet all over this place if you can? And would you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? And you know if you're here, we can't go forward without having a time to respond. We can't move forward without giving somebody a chance to say yes. See, Easter is a really cool thing to learn about. Easter is, a, is an even greater thing to experience. It's cool to hear the story, but this is not a historical story. That's not the point of it. It's not something that you're supposed to learn in a textbook. It's fun, something that can literally transform your life if you allow it to. Jesus says this with every head bowed and every eye closed. He says, here I am. I stand at the, the door of your heart and I knock. I knock. I knock. Some of you felt that for years, that knocking. Here I am. I stand at the, the door and I knock. And what he's doing is he's not saying, I want in because you're in trouble. I need to get in to yell at you. I need to get in and tell you how bad you are and how messed up you are. He already knows that. That's why he died on the cross. He knows we're fallen. He knows we're sinful. He knows we're broken. And he couldn't leave us like that. So maybe put yourself in that story. Go back 2,000 years ago. What are you waiting on in your life? What bad decisions have you made? What do you deserve? Honestly, where should your life be? What should you have to pay for? What decisions have you made that literally, if they're allowed, are impacting every step of your life? Would you see Jesus? Jesus says, I'll take that cross. I'll take your place. I'll die for you. If you let me, if you let me, I'll shed my blood for you. Here I am, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Now I don't want to ruin the next two days for you in case you never heard the story. But the Bible says that Jesus was placed in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power. Spoiler alert. And it's through his death, his birth, because I can't just talk about his death. If he just died and that's all we're talking about, he's one of thousands that died on a cross. Thousands. He's not the first person to ever die for people that he loves. What makes Jesus different is on the third day, he rose from the dead. He defeated death and hell. And it's through him that you can become a brand new person if you would just let him. 
If you would just let him. What do you do? You say, yes. Jesus Christ, I recognize that you shed your, your blood for me. I know your body was beaten for me. I never fully understood it, but now I understand it. I can feel you knocking at the door of my heart. Today, I want to say yes. The Bible says, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I've been a witness of this for the last 15 years of my life. People just like you, standing in rooms just like this, hearing sermons just like this, with the piano playing just like that, with this exact same message and this exact same call in many of the same situations that you're in, and maybe you've convinced yourself life can never be different. One yes to Jesus changes everything. He's that powerful. Jesus is the name above all names, the name by which all people can be saved. Jesus Christ, be the Lord and Savior of my life. On this Good Friday, 2020-23, the Lord is knocking. I'm letting them in. I'm letting them in. I wonder if that's you. In this moment, I just want to pray with you. Maybe you've never been in church before and you've never prayed before in your life. Praying is like talking to a friend. The Bible says Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So we're not going to have some long, religious, drawn-out prayer. It's just a moment for you to recognize and realize I can't do life one more second without Jesus. I need him to come into my life. Yes, I'm guilty. Yes, I deserve death. And yes, I need the substitution of Jesus Christ to come into my life. And when he does that, I'm going to be made new in the name of Jesus. I need to be made new. I need a new life. I need him to transform my mind, my heart, my will, my direction. Jesus Christ, today I give you my life. If that's you all over this place, nobody looking around, you say, this is me. I can feel the presence of God right now knocking at the door of my heart. I need to say yes. I need to respond. Do me a favor all over this house. Nobody looking around in this moment. But you would say, that's me. If you're a Christian and you're nosy, just pray. Just pray. Just pray, but if that's you all over this house, you say, you know what, I'm not a Christian, but today I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him from this day forward, all over this place. Come on, if that's you, begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven for me, all over this place. Come on, there's a hand, there's a hand, there's a hand. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I need to put my faith, my trust, and my hope in him. I see another hand up there in the, in the, in the balcony. Is there anybody else? all over this place, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus Christ, thank you for this night. Thank you for what you did for me on that cross. Jesus, I believe that not only were you placed in the tomb, but on the third day you rose in power. And it's through you that I'm forgiven and that I'm made new. When I leave this place tonight, I'm a brand new person. I'm healed. I'm saved, I'm secure, and I'm filled with purpose. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. One more time all over this place. Shout amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.